Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is Make It Pine. Make It Pine. M I P. With Marcella Mark Thompson. Make It Pine. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back as always because it's Thursday. It's Thursday, Coach. That means it's time for the founder of the largest online progressive community. DailyCoach.com, the founder of the largest and most accurate polling firm, Civics with a Q.com, and the host of the brand new, most popular podcast in the world, The Brief, our friend Marcos Melitzis. How are you, buddy? Doing good. Still batting 333, I see. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you are, you are. We, we are what we pretend to be. So uh, this is what we're doing. Um, Lots going on, man. First of all, foremost in my mind, and in some of the groups I've spoken with, we had the march at the Lincoln Memorial on Saturday, coalition of almost 200 organizations. And we can't stop. Just in, I guess, the past 24 to 48 hours, Supreme Court refusing to intervene in another egregious Texas law, which many say effectively, Marcos, Mm -hmm. brings Roe v. Wade to an end. Talking to some of the women's groups, reproductive rights groups, We may have to get right back out in the streets on that issue alone again. So the uh, Supreme Court has been using what's called the shadow docket this, you know, these last couple of years to render decisions that are incredibly 
controversial to say the least, but also really run counter to precedent. Supreme Court's supposed to follow precedent. And if it doesn't, it's supposed to actually make an argument as to why that precedent should not be followed. In this case, we're calling what's a shadow docket, right? So what happens is in a normal case, the, uh, you know, an unconstitutional law is passed. It is appealed up and up for an emergency order stopping that law while the case is being litigated. Well, in this case, the emergency appeal was was ignored by the Supreme Court, which essentially keeps that law on the books. Now, there's still going to be a whole, you know, a couple of years process where this law is litigated up the court system, but it has been left intact. And had a normal Supreme Court looked at this, they would have said, yeah, this, this breaks precedent. We have to put a stay on this law while it is being litigated. And so you have people like Justice Roberts playing the moderate you know, he's like, he's a swing vote. And this last term, the court turned back some pretty serious conservative challenges that uh, I think surprised a lot of us because he's, these these weird coalitions came in with, with Barrett and Kavanaugh and Thomas, not Thomas, no, definitely not Thomas, Kavanaugh, Barrett and uh, Roberts in different permutations joining the liberals to maintain certain laws on the books, to maintain certain existing law from conservative challenges. And that was a big shock, right? But what's happening is that they're using this shadow docket to really undermine these laws without actually having to make real decisions. And uh, I think that's the way that the court, I think that's the way Roberts is trying to take pressure off the expand movement which would render him powerless while still achieving his conservative ideological vision. Mm. Clearly, this is problematic. Clearly, we need Democrats. Not today, uh, you know, when the decision was, was, there was no decision to be announced. When the court did nothing and let that law stand on the books, you had a bunch of Democrats saying, oh, I will fight to, I will fight for a woman's right to choose. You know, we don't need that. What we need is, is Democrats to say, we are going to expand the court. That's what 2022 is about. We are going to expand the court. This court is lawless. It is. It has no credibility. Clearly, it has no legitimacy. And so Democrats need to, as is allowed in the Constitution, there's nothing shady about it. They need to expand the court. Now, that does mean we have to win next year. That does mean that the Supreme Court is on the ballot. And we as a movement and a party suck at running on the Supreme Court. Their entire cases are always about the Supreme Court, right? Yeah, we don't talk about the Supreme Court. You know what would not be happening in Texas right now? If Hillary Clinton had won, this would not be happening in Texas. People, oh, her emails and, oh, she's corrupt and she's a neoliberal. And, and people sat home because, oh, she wasn't perfect. Had she won, we wouldn't have three new conservative uh, Supreme Court justices on the court, this would not be happening. So these things matter. The Supreme Court matters. And I'm hoping as a silver lining that Democrats realize that, yes, they need to turn out and they need to vote in 2022, no matter what you might be upset about. And we're always going to have a reason to be like, oh, we don't like this. We don't like that. We women yesterday lost their control to medic over a key medical procedure because of the Christian right. Right. And it's because people sat home 
They didn't engage. They weren't involved in several of the more recent election cycles. So that cannot happen next year. We have a chance to get a mansion and cinema-proof Senate, which would eliminate the filibuster, which would allow us to have D.C. as a state and maybe Puerto Rico. That would allow us to expand the Supreme Court. That would allow us to pass real voter protections. And that can only happen if we win a very difficult election. There's no need to sugarcoat it. It's going to be difficult. History says we're going to lose seats. And if we lose seats, we lose Congress. And there goes everything. More difficult in the Senate than in the House, though, right? I mean, if people really are mobilized, and that's a big question. I'm going to get to that in a minute. It, 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 the Senate is more difficult than the House, isn't it, for 2020? No, I actually, I wouldn't say that. The average, in an average midterm election of a brand new president, that president's party loses an average of about 33 seats. That's just history. That's not including redistricting. We don't even yeah, know yeah, what the yeah, map yeah. is going to look like. We don't even know what we're facing. Yeah. So we have what? It's like a six-seat majority. We, we, it's razor thin already. Now, if we have a 2018 type of election where the Trump crowd stays home and Democrats are energized, then great. We can, we can expand our majority, get a little bit of cushion. But if we either get a 2020 electorate where, where the Trump people come out in force, right. or if our people stay home because we're less likely to vote, we're younger, browner, more single, all things that mean that, that lower voter propensity. If we stay home, this gives them the easy opportunity. Now, the Senate, and you bring up the Senate, the Senate battleground is the 2020 battleground. And we all saw how... With everybody engaged, we won states like Arizona and Georgia by a sliver of a sliver of a sliver of 1%, right? And, mm -hmm. and we have the defense seats in Georgia and Arizona. We have the defense seat in Nevada, which was another closed state. So those are three really at-risk seats. And then we're playing offense in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Florida, North Carolina, all states that were razor thin. Either we won barely or we lost barely. That's the game. That's, good. That's it. Everything else. I mean, yeah, okay, Ohio, Iowa, nobody, those states, all these white Midwestern industrial and rural states, I think they're lost to Democrats absent a massive wave. You know, if there's a wave and we went, you know, we wouldn't see states like that. Okay, we won. I don't see a massive wave on our end right now. In fact, there's a better chance of a wave on their side, especially with Joe Biden's uh, poll numbers dropping in the in the in re recent weeks. So this is going to be a real fight, and the Supreme Court's going to be front and center. And if we lose it, we lose women's right to choose. It's gone. Period. The end. So let's let's back up for a minute. You mentioned the expand movement. Is there right now a real and viable expand movement to begin with? No. Okay. So you had Senator Markey of Massachusetts came out for expanding the court. Other people have in the past. It's not something that it's clearly something Democrats are afraid to talk about. And the only reason I can see that happening is because they know that the right is really good at running on the Supreme Court, while our voters have never seemed to give a damn. And so I don't know if there's a lot of upside. I think they need to talk about it, though. I think they need to if our side doesn't understand what the stakes are. They need to be educated about what the stakes are and hiding the, uh, you know, on the Supreme Court issue is not going to do us any good in 2022. Their side's going to be energized with the Supreme Court because it always is. They, they know how to run on that issue. We need to learn how to do that as well. More MIP after this message. 
I want to, if you don't mind, I'm going to give you an assignment. That won't be the first time I've done that. I think you should come up with a checklist, and I'll help you, of things Democrats should take on that they're afraid to. And that's one of them. And there's always, there are a lot of things that we as Democrats, who are Democratic politicians, Democratic Party, should be taking on that we're afraid to. But that's, that's just something to think about for the future. I agree with you. We concede too much ground on issues that we should not. Now, having said that, if there were a chance to run on the Supreme Court in the right way and to rival the Republicans in running on the Supreme Court, it would seem to me that it's this issue. This is the fundamental issue for women. Women are the base and the majority within the Democratic Party. But, but here's the other speculation that I'm hearing, that when it comes to voting rights, and possibly I can even see this, come, when it, this coming down to the Roe issue as well, there are Democrats in leadership who feel that the attack on voting rights and attack on women's rights and the whole list of bills that have died in the Senate with Joe Manchin's help uh, are actually going to mobilize more voters in 2022, that they need that to really get people out. People need to feel as if all their rights are under attack to get them out to vote. That's one school of thought. The other school of thought, which comes from those organizations that mobilized the vote in 2020 and January of 2021, Black Voters Matter, the Poor People's Campaign, etc. Their point of view is they can no longer mobilize voters in the same way because people they mobilize see Democrats not doing enough, not, stand, not, not pushing enough, not getting voting rights protection in the Senate, not expanding the court. So, you know, I think that's where we're about to, to knock heads. Which side do you think is, you know, more credible to listen to? The side that says this will help or the side that says this is risky business and it's going to backfire? There's for sure a sort of chicken little component to always saying Republicans are going to take away your right to, you know, right to choose, right, right. to control your body. And then it's not happening year after year after year to the point you're like, eh, it's just politics. It, it just happened. It literally just happened. So <laughs> it's no longer theoretical or a possibility. It's actually a thing that happens. So I think that that sort of hopefully lights a fire under women and single women, single anything. And because they're usually younger people and younger people are less likely to vote. But hopefully it lights a fire under single women and even some single men that may not vote otherwise. That said, you are absolutely right on, on the second school of thought that we need to show results. And so people fought hard in 2020. Joe Biden's overperformance compared to Hillary Clinton was utterly dramatic, particularly in some of these key battleground states like Georgia and Arizona. And so you have to show that that work and effort and the money that people donated was worth that time and effort. And so for young people, the easy one, and I, I still don't understand why it hasn't happened, is to forgive $50,000 of student debt. Just strike it away. Do that. Do things like that to show people. I mean, we had no problem spending $250 million every single day in Afghanistan for 20 years. We, we can forgive student loan, crushing student loan, and give our economy a huge, huge boost. And young people, give them a new, new, fresh start in life. That to me is a no-brainer. So you need to be able to show that progress. And this is why cinema and mansion are so dangerous. It's not that they're just stopping legislation and, you know, it's not, okay, let's just wait till next year. Hopefully we have a bigger majority and we can pass this stuff. 
It's that they are allowing Republicans to depress Democratic turnout. And by being a-holes and not allowing anything to go through, they are almost guaranteeing themselves a spot in the minority. And maybe they don't care because if they're in the minority, they don't have to vote for things that they don't want to vote for. But I mean, they still have a D next to their name. I don't understand why they would work so hard to undermine the ability of, of the Democratic Party and, and Joe Biden to be successful and to turn out its its voters next year. And the, the ultimate thing, those Democratic policy, it's good for all Americans. This isn't targeted to blue state core voters, right? This is just good policy all around. And it shouldn't matter if you're in West Virginia. I mean, there are plenty of students, I'm sure, in West Virginia with that that they'd love to get rid of. West Virginia, one of the poorest states in the country, West Virginia has actually lost population in 10 years. People are desperately trying to get out of the state. They're dying of opioid addictions. It's just not a state that's very healthy. Take away some debt. Take away some debt. Yeah, you're right. And these are things that are going to have to happen if the votes are going to come out, if people are going to stay interested, unless we will succumb to what usually happens in a midterm. More MIP after this message. Hey there, I'm Nadia Komodo. Check out my show, Tigress, which is basically my unfiltered and unapologetic journey of being a work in progress. Like, I hope that I am authentic and I try to be as unfiltered as I possibly can. I am so passionate about what I do, from talking about periods to wanting to build community around the cause to loving the business that I'm working on. Tune in each week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are streamed. I remember when it was said that Virginia, you know, Virginia used to go back and forth and people said that was inevitable, no matter what, no Virginia government can succeed her or himself. So it would always flip back and forth. That's changed permanently, pretty much. Virginia is about as blue as blue can be. I don't know that Virginia will ever go back to the type of thing. So I don't think it's impossible, in spite of the history, I don't think it's impossible for America to go that way or the or the, 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 uh, the, the national legislature. I do remember even though seats were won and lost, you know, for years, for decades, Democrats held an almost permanent majority, if not in the House and not in the Senate. I mean, for decades. Now, granted, there were still some Dixiecrats around and some moderate Democrats and didn't always mean nothing. Hell, when they held a majority in 93, when Tom Foley was Speaker, 63 Democrats didn't vote for statehood. Imagine if that had happened then we'd be all out of Clarence Thomas never would have even been on the Supreme Court. I mean, a lot of things would have gone differently. So, you know, I or people like Clarence Thomas, I should say. So these are things that must happen. I do know that women's organizations are mobilizing. We women were key to Trump's victory. Those who voted for him and those who stayed home. Women were key to Trump being ousted from office because they came out. I do know that that women as a group, I don't know that they're at the place where other minorities are even though women are no longer a minority, but where other minorities are, people of color in general. And see, that's where there's the overlap. People of color include women. And what people of color are saying is, uh, Rem Barber, Mark, Marcos, Cliff and Latasha, Tamika, all y'all, y'all keep telling us to vote. And we're not getting anything for it. White progressive women, even in conversations I've had as early as today, are saying, are tying voting rights and the vote to the loss of Roe. If, if we don't get the right to vote and if women don't get out to vote, there's a loss of Roe. But, but see how that puts 
our often fragile constituency, which is a big tent, you know, at odds with one another. Women feel like they got to get out to vote to protect Roe. But some of those women fall in the brown and black category and feel like, well, they, they aren't doing anything else. Some women feel is that to get voting rights, this is this is the paradox, really. And, and these, these are where some Democrats are leading women down this road. In order to have voting rights, we have to get out to vote. <laughs> but we can't get out to vote if we don't have voting rights. And they're beating us on that, Marcos. And that's the thing that I think Biden has got to figure out. Senator and Manchin had to be brought in line. It's like, you know, a, a friend of mine who's a pastor tells a story about a couple he used to counsel. They have marital problems. And this was the issue. The wife wouldn't cook dinner because the husband wouldn't get home from work until late. The husband waited to come home late and wouldn't get home early because the wife wouldn't cook dinner. So, so you know, we can't we can't vote unless we have voting rights. We won't have voting rights unless we vote. That we we are the party in power. We should not be confused amongst ourselves. We we need to figure out a way to get this together. Yeah, on a practical level. Anytime we've had voting restrictions passed, a state passes them, it actually increases turnout from the people being targeted because it sends a signal that, you know, we don't want you to vote. And people are like, oh, I'm going to vote then. They have to work harder to do that. But it actually, it actually, in the short term, it may actually backfire. The problem is that after a few cycles, that effect sort of dissipates and then it's just harder to vote. So again, this is why 2022 is so important because there is a chance here to nip the stuff in the bud before it has a chance of becoming ingrained, sustained, systemic disenfranchisement. Right now, it's the Republicans know they cannot win a fair fight. They have given up trying to win hearts and minds. Right now, they're just trying to block anybody that doesn't look like them from voting. And so that pisses people off for all the right reasons. But what happens if we don't, if we're not able to win next year? And again, history is against us. And I don't say that to to demoralize. I say that to say like, this is tough and we're going to have to fight harder than we've ever fought. And I know we say that every cycle and I know it gets tiresome and exhausting and we're sick of it. But the other side doesn't, they don't stop. They don't take a break. And so we cannot, until we render them a permanent minority, we, we can't rest. And maybe even then we won't be able to rest. Who knows? Like, I don't know what the world's going to look like in 20 years. I do know demographically that they're dying off. They're not only dying off in the last 10 years, but they're accelerating that with their COVID denialism. I mean, now it's very clear that, that the bulk of COVID deaths are coming in red counties. And I mean... Duh, you know, they're the ones that aren't vaccinated. So they're just accelerating their exit from the electorate. And so we can look at that and say, like, okay, good, things are headed in the right direction. But Republicans are also seeing that. And that's why they're putting up as many roadblocks to our people voting as possible, because they don't actually want to have to appeal to black and brown and young people and women, because by doing so, they will lose what's left of their base. Yeah, yeah. Just we have to fight and it's going to suck and it's not fair. It's it hasn't been fair in a long time. Yeah. On the other hand, too, I think one disservice that we've done in this country to one another historically is all of the rights that have been won down through the years, the right to vote, women's rights, et cetera, et cetera, civil rights. We have this culture in America that we do this 
And once we win a particular victory, we're good. Yeah. I don't know who put that in the Kool-Aid as if these are all rights that are permanent because we won them. We live in a country where there's this ebb and flow, this ebb and flow. And we can look at it. When we go back and look at things chronologically, we, chronologically, we can see it. We, everybody had the right to vote after the Civil War. Black senators, black congressmen, elected officials throughout the South, former, former enslaved people in Congress. And then over the course of 100 years, it was gone. So, you know, women get the 19th. And then look look at how women. So I, I don't see, I don't know what it is about those of us as a culture where we become so, I guess, complacent. Yeah, well, and it's well, it's enthusiasm. Yeah. And it takes so much energy. I guess there's there's a burnout effect. Like for example, we had to march on Washington on Saturday, and some people ask me, why do we keep having to go back to Lincoln Memorial March? Well, I feel you, but that's what it is. And if you look at the other side, they don't stop. I think that's the thing. We don't compute. Yeah. We stop and celebrate. They never celebrate and stop. They yeah. just keep going, going, going. And we better wake up and understand that. Um, I, I think that's a there's some type of flaw in those of us who Dr. King would call the children of light. <laughs> We're not perfect. We may be children of light in a beloved community, but something wrong with us that we think we we get it and then we just got it. It's locked in forever. And it clearly is not. So, I mean, I'm, you know, back up today. Hey, y'all, I know we were just together on Saturday, but guess what? This thing in Texas is happening. We got to, we got to make a move. We got to do something. Well, I'm tired. Well, I'm sorry. The operative word is the struggle for civil rights, the struggle for human rights, the struggle for women's rights. Struggle is the operative word. It's not the cakewalk. Right. To human rights. It's it's not the Mardi Gras. Nobody ever said the Mardi Gras civil rights. Right? I mean, the word, we be, say struggle, and we don't really hear the word struggle. It, it, would, it would be so much better if it was a Mardi Gras. <laughs> right, right, right. The the party, the celebrate. It is the we say struggle. I don't think we really hear the word struggle. I mean, my Nelson Mandela used to say struggle in the struggle. I'm in the struggle, and and there's just a lot to that. And I think we have to figure out we take that more seriously, and also. Let Democratic politicians know. Uh, and I'm gonna tell you some some stuff coming down the pike. Rem Barber's looking at some things. Rem Barber is is has no patience for Joe Manchin. He is on him, like the expression says, like white on rice. <laughs> Even though Rem Barber's black, so you know, folks, th this is what we're gonna have to do. Unfortunately, as as much as I hate to admit it, and I hear the cries of my comrades, Mark. I don't know if we can mobilize people another term, but we're not gonna have a choice. And as you and I have also said. We've got to get to the point where we're also informing people about down ballot. See, the thing about the redistricting, the other thing we did not do in 2020 was emphasize statewide legislative elections because that's where that decision is made. We were focused on Trump. I get it. But we got to walk and shoot gum at the same time. And folks, we just gonna have to step up and then be tireless until, in fact, we get to the point where the population who wants to stop us does eventually dial because they are. They, that's why they have to. They know they're dying out. So these are the last gasps, as James yeah, Baldwin I mean, would say, of a policy, dying civilization. Yeah. Their policy gets crazier and crazier because they're trying to lock this stuff in before they're out. Yeah. They know, yeah. They know their time's up. They know. They can do the math. The last gasps of a dying civilization. And, and, and I'll end on this. Isn't it interesting? And you and I have said this before. In spite of all the, the loss in Afghanistan, the turmoil, the, un, the 
non-justification for all those 20 years there. America can say that unlike the Soviet Union and other civilizations, Afghanistan did not destroy it. It ended the Soviet Union. It ended that regime. Afghanistan isn't doing that per se. It is the Republicans. It is one party that is doing more damage to this country than even a, war, a 20-year war in Afghanistan did. That's, that's, that's a hell of a thing. You can't even blame it on Afghanistan. As you, what was your book? The American Taliban, right? Boy, man, everybody's, everybody's telling me, like, I, you saw that coming 10 years ago. And I got criticized so much for writing the book, The American Taliban, because, oh, you're being unfair to Republicans. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. I it wasn't even anything. I wasn't even being. <laughs> there was nothing esoteric about my argument. I was just like, look at them. Look at what they're saying. They're yeah. saying this out loud. And this was pre-Trump. And they were already saying it out loud. Now forget it. So now it's even more out there. Headline DailyCoast.com. As the Taliban threatens to roll back women's rights, Texas says, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. And the same people running about, they, oh, I'm so worried about women's rights in Afghanistan are doing supporting what is going on in Texas. Yeah. And, they also and, and critical race theory. I mean, th this is all just nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. This is important, folks, uh, because as Marco said, I hope you picked up on this. Supreme Court does not intervene in the name of precedent. This means other states will begin to do what Texas is doing and there'll yeah. be open season. Yeah. And by the, you know, by the time this other case is for the court, oh, well, you know, it's already fait accompli. It's already happening. Yeah. What's the deal? And do we really think that these Republicans are going to invalidate that law? I mean, it's, it's not going to happen. It's a 6-3 court right now. Yeah. Yeah. Folks, uh, also this on this week's brief, a conversation uh, with John Soltz of uh, Vote Vets on Afghanistan and, and what can, should, could happen next. want to check that out as well. The brief is available not only on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast that you haven't already taken part of. Folks, you all are fortunate. Every week you get Thursday Coast and you get the brief. So this is great. This is great. Marcos Melissis, thank you as always, buddy. Thank you so much, Mark. Everybody, please stay safe and healthy. Delta is no joke. Right. And uh, yeah, and talk to you next week. Okay. Thanks, Marcos. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.